We are continuing our studies in Articles of Faith, or our doctrinal statement, whichever you prefer to call it. We are on the second one concerning the Holy Scriptures. We believe that the Holy Bible was written by men divinely inspired. It is the perfect treasure of heavenly instruction. It has God for its author, salvation for its end, truth without any mixture of error for its matter. It is It reveals the principles by which God will judge us it is and shall remain to the end of the world the true center of Christian union. It is the supreme standard by which all human conduct, creed, and opinions should be tried. We, in breaking that down, Last week we looked at the first part. We believe that the Holy Bible was written by men divinely inspired and looked at several passages of Scripture and, of course, the uh, favorite go-to passage is 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 21. We also looked at it is the perfect treasure of heavenly harmony. It is perfect, and it is a treasure. We ask the question, ask ourselves, is it a treasure? Do you count it a treasure? And we looked at many passages in the Psalms where the psalmist considered it precious. The psalmist considered it a treasure. He considered it sweeter than honey, than from the honeycomb. How sweet! <laughs> How sweet! I mean, honey is, is something that is so sweet. How sweet! <laughs> it's concentrated sweet. And the, of course, the psalmist there is comparing the word of God to, to that of honey, which uh, proclaiming it to be a treasure. But it, we also look at it as God for its author. And that kind of goes hand in hand with the first thought that, that men, holy men of God, divinely inspired by God, wrote the book. But let us not forget that God is its author. Many times we refer to the Apostle Paul or the Apostle Peter. They wrote this or they, they wrote that. Um, and Paul said this. And Well, let us not forget that And Paul wrote it, but it was God that said it. It was God that laid it upon the heart and mind of the Apostle Paul and in the different writers of Scripture to write it. Today we promised you that we would look at the fact that 
the Holy Scriptures, the Bible, that treasure of 66 books contained in one, has salvation for its end. That is the end. And thus we, we refer to, to the Bible, the 66 books that are written and condensed, what we call the Bible, one book. From Genesis chapter 1 through Revelation 22 and verse 21, there is that scarlet thread, that thread the Lord Jesus Christ runs through there, the scarlet thread of redemption and salvation by Jesus Christ, coming by Jesus Christ. So the Word of God is that which is able to save our souls, to give us life, and to give us life eternal. Turn with me to the book of Second Timothy, in chapter 3. 2 Timothy in chapter 3 and through the writing of Paul, the Holy Spirit is telling Timothy and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. The Holy Scriptures, they are holy because it is the Holy Spirit breathed upon men to pen these words. It is God is the author. God is holy. But it tells Timothy that they are able to make you wise unto salvation. They're able to bring about salvation to your life. Not that Timothy hadn't already been saved. He had. But Paul, through the Holy Spirit, is just reminding him of that, that salvation that came about by the learning of the Scriptures, the preaching of the Scriptures, the preaching of the Word of God. And I might remind you, for the most part at this time that this letter was written to Timothy, they had primarily only the Old Testament. Primarily only the Old Testament was all they had. And he said... Those Old Testaments, those scriptures they had then in the Old Testament are able to make you wise unto salvation. That kind of that does away with those folks that don't want to read and study in the Old Testament scriptures. <laughs> they, they're just as important to read for us to read and study as the New Testament. It, it, we see in the Old Testament, we see Jesus Christ. We see salvation through Jesus Christ and the sacrifices and, and all the, the commandments of the Ten Commandments, the law of God. In, in the book of Galatians, in, in chapter 3, it tells us that. They were our schoolmaster. 
to bring us unto Christ. In other words, they showed us our inability, our inability to keep them, to do them. And, and so doing it points us to Christ. The sacrifice of the Lamb, the sacrifice of the Passover Lamb, it pointed them to Christ, the Redeemer, the Savior. Turn with me now to the book of Acts. The book of Acts and Chapter 11. Acts chapter 11 and look with me here at verse 14. Verse 14 we read, Who shall tell thee words whereby thou and all thy house shall be saved? This here, of course, is, is recounting the, the Cornelius experience and, and Peter being sent to Cornelius and, 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 and is told that Peter will will tell the words. He'll tell the, the word of God. He'll tell the words of Jesus. He'll tell the gospel to you. Now in all thy house shall be saved. All in your house who will hear the word and believe the word that, that Peter is going to give shall be saved. Not only your children, but your servants that are in your house. All that are in the house. All that are under the sound of the preaching of the gospel. As Peter comes to you, shall be saved. It's understandable how Paul said in, to the Romans in, in the book of Romans chapter 1 and verse 16. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. The tenth chapter of the book of Romans. The tenth chapter, Romans, in verse 8. These passages of Scripture, especially in this 10th chapter, gets misused and abused. But, but listen, read what it has to say. But what saith it? What saith the Scriptures? What saith the Word of God? The Word is nigh thee even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. The word of faith which we preach. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart 
that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt believe. See, there it is. You believe, and, with, and because you believe, you, with the mouth you make confession of the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 10, for with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. And with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. You, you see, you make a confession with your mouth that you have been saved, that you have been born again because you've believed, you've trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ. How did that come about? It come about by the Word of God, by the preaching of the Word. He referenced there in verse 8. The Scriptures saith, to us these things. In the book of John, the book of John in chapter 5, and it's safe to go there because we it'd be a while before we get to these verses on Sunday morning, but John chapter 5 and, and verse 38. Jesus speaking here to Pharisees, <laughs> scribes, multitudes. He said in verse 38, it's just, And ye have not His Word abiding in you. You have not the Word of God abiding in you. For whom He hath sent, Him ye believe not. <laughs> In other words, you don't believe the words of Jesus Christ. You don't believe the Word of God. And therefore, you don't have the Word of God abiding in you. Search the Scriptures. For in them ye think ye have eternal life. <laughs> you see... You, you, you think by, by reading the Scriptures and, and having an exterior uh, pharisaical life, you think you have eternal life. But Jesus said, they are they which testify of me. They are they which testify of me. They testify of Jesus Christ. They testify of the Son of God. They testify of the bread of life. The one who gives life. The scriptures testify of that. And so they have salvation for its end. One more passage on this note. 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1 and look at verses 10 through 12. Concerning salvation, the apostle writes, of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you. They prophesied of, they gave forth the word of God. That's salvation. Searching 
what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ, which was in them, did signify when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. The prophets prophesied that. The prophets prophesied of Christ's coming. They prophesied of Christ's suffering and death on the tree, on the cross. The serpent in the wilderness prophesied of the Son of Man that was to be lifted up on the cross, upon the tree, unto whom it was revealed that not unto themselves, but unto us they did minister the things which are now reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven, which things the angels desire to look into. The angels of God, the elect angels, are looking on. They desire to look into those things, but they will never know the salvation that comes through faith in Jesus Christ. You see, verse 12 proclaims that we've received salvation through the preaching of the word, through the prophecy that the prophets wrote in the Old Testament. They prophesied of the coming Redeemer, the one who would give his life a ransom for many. And then the word came to us, came to us in our lifetime. And we received salvation. So the Holy Scriptures have salvation for its end. That is, when we pick up the book, whether we're reading in the Old Testament or whether we're reading in the New, we ought to be able to see the Lord Jesus Christ in salvation by Him, salvation through Him. Also concerning the Holy Scriptures, we say that it, truth, it is truth without any mixture of error. It is truth. If there's any error at all, or a mixture of error at all, then it's not truth. It is truth unadulterated. It is truth pure truth. It is the Word of God. Turn with me to the book of Proverbs. Proverbs in chapter 30. And look with me beginning in verse 5. Proverbs 30 and verse 5. Every word of God is pure. How pure? It's pure. If it's pure, you can't get any pure. It is pure. 
He is a shield unto them that put their trust in him. Add thou not unto his words, lest he reprove thee, and thou be found alive. Why don't you add to the words of God? Because we're men. We don't have truth. We may have some truth if, it, if it's been taught to us from the Word of God by the Holy Spirit of God, then we have some truth. But if it's my idea, my thought, my take on it, it's probably wrong. It's flawed. We're going to look at a passage of Scripture shortly. We looked at it last week, referred to Romans chapter 3 and, and verse 4. But let God be true. And every man a liar. Men are liars. And so man is not to add to the word of God. We're going to see, nor shall he take away from it. Turn with me to the book of Psalms. The book of Psalms in chapter 12. And look with me here at verse 6. Psalms 12, 6. The words of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. Listen, the Word of God is pure. It's, it's as. It's not silver tried, but it's as silver that is tried and purified seven times. Seven times to make sure all the, all the dross, all, the, all the, the, that which defiles it is gone. The Word of God is that pure. You can count on God's word being truth. You can count on every word, even that which has not come to pass yet, you can count on it coming to pass because it's the word of God. We looked at Psalms 18 and 30 last week. Let's, let's turn over there. Look at it again this week. Psalms 18 and in verse 30. Well, we went past verse 30. As for God, His way is perfect. Well, let me pause right there. Did we need reading anything else? If God is holy and his way is perfect, and it is, then does it, does it not stand to reason that his word also is perfect? That his word also is holy? That means no error. No error whatsoever. There's no contradictions in the word of God. As for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is tried. 
He is a buckler to all those that put their trust in him. <laughs> the word of God is, is tried, and it's tried over and over again. It's tried all these thousands of years. The word of God has been tried and proven to be true, to be sure. We look last week at the 19th chapter and, and some verses in the 19th chapter, just reading one of those uh, today. Verse 8, the statutes of the Lord are right. They're right. They're upright. Rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure. <laughs> Enlightening the eyes. Turn with me to the 119th psalm the 119th psalm in verse 140 psalms 119 and verse 140 notice notice the emphasis on pure the pure word of god in this verse the psalmist doesn't just say thy word is pure. He says thy word is very pure. <laughs> As if you could get any purer than pure. He emphasizes it's it's much pure. It's very pure. Therefore, thy servant loveth it. And again I ask, do we love the word of God? Do we count it as very pure? He said in the book of John, chapter 17, Jesus said in his prayer to his Father, he said, Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. We've quoted and read last week Romans 3 and verse 4. We quoted it today. But let God be true, and every man a liar. Romans chapter 7 and verse 12, where we read, Wherefore the law is holy, and the commandment holy, and just, and good. It's holy. The word of God is holy. There's no error in it. There's no sin in it. There's no leeway for sin. It doesn't give you an option to sin. It doesn't give you any indication to mistrust it. It proclaims it as truth. Believe it. Obey it. Turn with me to the book of James. James chapter 3. James chapter 3 and verse 17. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure. Sets forth wanting us to know, first of all, that, that the wisdom 
the Word of God. Jesus Christ, the Word. First is pure. And then it's peaceable. It brings peace to the soul. Souls of men. It's gentle. However, sometimes I don't think it's so gentle when it's, when it's beating me up and, and I see my sin and my failure. But how did it do it? It did it gently. It did it gently. It did it lovingly. That's my God, is it not? And easy to be entreated. Full of mercy. Aren't you glad that in the Word of God you find mercy? You find the mercy of God? The same Word that pronounces judgment upon sin and sinners is the same Word that proclaims the mercy, the compassion, the love, the grace of our God to us. And good fruits. In other words, by adhering, by hearkening to the Word of God, it produces good fruits, produces good works in the life of those who hear it and obey it. Without partiality, doesn't matter what nationality you are, doesn't matter what color your skin is, doesn't matter who you are. If you hear the word of God, you hearken to it, you obey it. It produces good fruits. It does all these things without partiality and without hypocrisy. It's not hypocritical in any way. Very familiar portion of passage in Revelation chapter 22, we read it back there in the Psalms, Revelation 22 and verse 18. For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book. From Genesis 1, 1, all the way through Revelation 22, 21. If any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. And if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. You see, you see how pure and undefiled the word of God is? So much so that if any man dare add to it, or take away from it. He's in danger 
of the judgment of God upon him. Well, moving on. It reveals, that is, the Holy Scriptures, the Bible. It reveals the principles by which God will judge us, <laughs> judge all men. We find those principles there. Turn with me to the book of John. John chapter 12. And look at uh, verse 47. Read verses 47 48. And if any man hear my words and believe not, I judge him not. He's saying, I, I don't judge him right now. That was not my purpose right now. For I came not to judge the world, but to save the world. His first coming wasn't, wasn't to, to judge. He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words hath one that judgeth him. There, there's coming a time, there's coming a day when you'll be judged. You don't believe, you, you reject his word. You reject the word of God. There's coming a day you're going to be judged. The word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. It is the word, the word of God, that is going to judge him in that day. When he stands before the sun at the great white throne judgment, he shall be judged. Turn with me to the book of Romans. Romans in chapter 2. In verse 12. For as many as have sinned without law shall also perish without law. And as many as have sinned in the law shall be judged by the law. You're going to be judged by the, the word of God. Now, we're speaking about Gentiles and Jews here. Those Gentiles that had not the law, the written law given to them, they're going to be judged <laughs> without that written law. But they are going to be judged. What are they going to be judged by? They're going to be judged by the law of God. You said, well, you just said that they weren't going to be judged by the law because they didn't have them. They're going to be judged by the law of God. Look, 
For not the hearers of the law are just before God, but the doers of the law shall be justified. For when the Gentiles, which have not the law, do by nature the things contained in the law, these having not the law are a law unto themselves, which show the work of the law written in their hearts. You see, the law of God is written on their hearts. They know that it's wrong to steal. They know that it's wrong to have another man's wife. They know that it's wrong to, to murder. They don't have to have the written law of God. It's written on every man's heart. And they know that. You ever have a child, little child, and they go into the grocery store, or they go into some store, and they pick up something and put it over here. Unbeknownst to you, and you get out in the car or you get home. Where did you get that? They hid it from you. Why did they hide it? They knew it was wrong. <laughs> they knew they hadn't paid for it. They knew it was wrong to take it. You see? What, how did you handle it? Did you let them get away with it? That's the wrong thing to do as a Christian. It's the wrong thing to do because they'll just sear their conscience. I got away with it before. I can get away with it again. They just sear their conscience to the fact that it's wrong to do. You see, you take care of it. Tell you what we did. We marched them back into the store. Give it to the clerk and tell them I didn't pay for this. You know? They learn pretty quick. It reinforces the law that is written on their heart. James chapter 2. The book of James in chapter 2, in verse 12. So speak ye, and so do, as they that shall be judged by the law of liberty going to be judged by the gospel of Jesus Christ. You're going to be judged by the words of Jesus Christ. You're going to be judged by the word of God. Deuteronomy Deuteronomy chapter 18. This principle was taught to God's people Israel. Back in Deuteronomy chapter 18 in verse 18 and 19. I will raise them up a prophet from among their brethren, from among the seed of Israel. Like unto thee, God speaking these words to, to Moses. And you tell the people, Moses. Like unto thee, Moses. And will put my words in his mouth 
I'm going to put my words in, in that prophet that is raised up like unto thee, Jesus Christ. I'm going to put my words in his mouth. And he shall speak unto them all that I shall command him. And it shall come to pass that whosoever will not hearken unto my words, which he shall speak in my name, I will require it of him. In other words, I'm going to judge him for it. Because he has not believed my words. They're going to be judged. They're going to pay recompense for it. So, it, is, it reveals the principles by which God will judge the world. Principles found in the Old Testament as well as in the New Testament. And I believe we'll quit there today. We've got... Two more parts to this part that we want to look at next week. It is and shall remain to the end of the world the true center of Christian union. And it is the supreme standard by which all human conduct, creeds, and opinions should be tried. Shall we stand together, be dismissed in a word of prayer? Brother Harold, would you dismiss us, please?